Thanks for joining us today at Springwell Church, where we want to draw spiritually thirsty people to Jesus by loving God, loving each other, and loving the world. We hope that today's message builds you up, gives you a little insight, and helps you find a brand new perspective. You can find us in Taylor, South Carolina, and online at springwell.org. That's springwell.org. Now let's jump into the message. Starting a, a new series of messages that we are calling cancel culture. I mean, just out of curiosity, how many of y'all have heard that term? Most of us. It seems like um, maybe it was kind of a political term several years ago, and now it's just kind of taken over everywhere where we don't like something somebody says. I've literally seen relationships 15, 20 years crumble based off of one thing somebody said. We're just so unforgiving now, right? And we're willing to cancel relationships or cancel people or somebody can have a track record of being one way, but you find a, a, a tweet from 2001 that they didn't like and poof, bam, they're canceled, right? Um, but if you think about it, Jesus kind of set the original cancel culture. Jesus came not to cancel people. He, was, he came to save people. It was never about people for him, but it was about the culture that he stepped into. It was about um, the, the culture of, of sin. He came to cancel the debt of sin. And I'm thankful that he came to, to cancel the gap between me and, and God that's created by my sin. He came to cancel depression and anxiety. He came to cancel fear. He, he came to cancel offense. Jesus really was the original cancel culture guru. It's just we have twisted it and made it directly towards people. But Jesus came to cancel the, the evil that he saw in culture when he stepped into the world. Today, I want us to, to start this off by simply talking about the grace of Jesus. It's a simple message, but it's a critical one that we, we understand the fact that Jesus came to cancel the debt of sin. I read a story, uh, Ray Shanning shared her story with CNN about how she lost her father who was on active duty in Afghanistan. The loss of her father was obviously a tragic event for her. Her heart was broken because her and her father were really close. In fact, most people would say they were almost inseparable. Her father had always wanted her to go to college, and so he had co-signed for student loans for her to be able to go to college. Consequently, the loss of her father also meant that she was left with $54,000 in student loans with no way to pay for them. Less than two hours after sharing her story on CNN Money, she got a phone call from Ashlyn Haycock of TAPS. TAPS stands for Tragedy Assistance Program for Survivors. Ashlyn called to tell her that her debt was paid in full by the organization. Of course, Ray was overcome with emotion, telling Ashlyn that her father had actually re-enlisted in the military in the first place just to help her pay for college. But can you imagine literally having a debt that you legitimately owe paid for in an instant? That's like by the time church is over and you go get in your car, it's paid for. Some of you are like, I receive it. I shouldn't have bought that thing in the first place. <clears throat> Or, or, or that's like by the end of Thursday, your mortgage, no more. Or what about those credit cards where you stayed up late watching info commercials and you just had to have it? That food processor is going to simplify your life. You're going to eat healthier, get a six-pack, and live longer. But now it's on a credit card that you're paying the minimum debt on it. What if by the time the day was over Friday, you no longer had that credit card debt? What if those student loans 
that I got to go to college that haven't, cost, that haven't helped me a thing, I don't think. What, sorry, that's a little personal. What if, <clears throat> what if by the end of the day Wednesday, all of your student loans were canceled and you didn't have to do anything about it? You didn't have to do anything to pay for it. Wouldn't that be awesome? Now, some of you know, most of you know, obviously, where, where I'm headed with this, right? Because you and I, we owe a debt. We owe a debt of sin. We owe a debt of sin because we have missed the mark of perfection that is required of us to walk in right standing with a loving heavenly Father. You and I owe a debt because we have sinned and fallen short of the target that God has set before us. Romans 3.23 clearly says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In other words, we all have this debt that we owe, and it's called sin. It's the evil. It's the thing that pulls us towards it even when we don't want it. We have a debt of sin, and the only way to get that debt paid is that something perfect had to step foot on earth and pay it for us. And so a perfect person Someone that didn't have that debt themselves. Someone who could live out a perfect life, walk hand in hand with God in a perfect relationship and not have that gap created between he and God. Someone had to come live that perfect life, sacrifice their lives in our place in order to pay that debt. And I came to tell somebody today, and maybe just for a moment we can celebrate the fact that there is only one who can cancel the debt we owe, and his name is Jesus. There is only one. There is only one way. There is only one way for you and I to bridge the gap between ourselves and God, and it is the cross of Jesus. You can't do enough. You can't give enough money. You can't pray enough prayers. You can't create relationships with the right people. You can't do anything to pay off this debt. It had to be paid for you, and it is only by the way and the work and the grace of Jesus Christ himself that you and I can boldly step into a relationship with God, not based on our merit because we owe a debt, but based on the merit of Jesus because he has paid the debt. It's only by Jesus. And for some of us, for some of us in this room, we have experienced the debt payoff, but we still walk around like there's a debt hanging over our head. Have you ever had one of those kind of debts? Maybe you did go therapy shopping one too many times. So now you're stuck with a credit card. A credit card that you can't do anything but pay the minimum balance. Forget it. That you can't even pay the minimum balance on. Maybe it's that, that car that you just had to have and you knew that you shot high but you way overshot. And so now everywhere you go, you feel like this thing is, is hanging over you. So now you can't really buy anything else and you feel like you're carrying this weight of this debt everywhere you go. And it begins to change you, doesn't it? It almost feels like there's a cloud floating over your head everywhere you go. It, it changes the way you live your life. It changes the way you have to live your life. It changes the way you treat other people. It even changes the way you feel about yourself. And it almost literally sucks the life out of you because it feels like you're walking around with this heavy ball and chain toting this debt from place to place. And here's what I believe about so many people listening to me right now. You're still living life like the debt is hanging over your head. 
you have failed to experience the freedom that Jesus wants you to experience from that sin that he paid for. Let me ask you this. Do you think Jesus only half paid for your sin? Because there's people, I talk to people, and you walk like that debt is still over you because you still walk in the guilt of your past. You still carry the shame of the people that you hurt. You still carry the guilt from the sin you committed, and you feel like you were walking on eggshells and walking on tippy toes all of your life because you feel like you're about to lose it all. You feel, you feel like you're about to, if you, if you go back to that, if you do that thing again, then you're going to lose the grace of Jesus. And so for so many of us, we're walking around. The debt has been paid, but we're walking around like the cloud is still hanging over our head. And, and the problem with, with, with not experiencing the true freedom of Jesus and the problem with walking in this guilt is that then it becomes about what we can do, doesn't it? We only feel good, not because we're forgiving, but we feel good if we have a good day. And what happens is people that aren't living in the freedom of their sin, that their sins yesterday, today, and forever have been paid, they walk around in guilt and they're trying to, to, to make sure they balance all the plates and they say the right prayers and they do the right thing and they give the right thing and they, and, and they love their kids the way they're supposed to and they love their spouse the way they're supposed to. What happens is they soon realize that they can't do it. And then who do you get bitter towards? You get bitter towards God. And so now there's no longer a relationship with Jesus. There's no longer a relationship with God. It's a transaction. So you have a relationship with him, but you are still treating it like you're trying to pay him off day after day. Today, I want us to hopefully understand the debt payoff that Jesus made for us so that we can live life not out of guilt, so that we can follow him not out of guilt, but out of appreciation for it. Here's my title today. Y'all ready? Check your balance. Check your balance. Some of you are like, I made that mistake this morning. Check your balance. There's a story in Luke 7 about a Pharisee and a lady who the Bible calls an immoral woman. How would you like for that to be your identification in Scripture for the whole course of history? But it, it, does, it does end well for her. Luke 7, verse 36. It says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell to his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. Can I just make a definitive statement right from the start? Jesus is willing to pay anyone's debt. Jesus is willing to pay anyone's debt. In other words, you are not disqualified. In other words, the people that you don't like are not disqualified from Jesus paying their debt. Jesus is willing to pay anyone's debt. He went to the cross. He died on that cross. He got in a grave. He got up from that grave, and that gift is for everyone. The Bible says it is not God's will that anyone should perish. The gift is on the table for anyone. Jesus is willing to pay anyone's debt. Ask me how I know. Go ahead. I'm glad you asked. The reason I know is not because of what happened with this immoral woman necessarily, but because he is eating at this Pharisee's house. Y'all, this is a big deal because this Pharisee, who we later find out his name is Simon, Pharisees were anti-Jesus. Like they weren't buddy buddies with Jesus. They were anti-Jesus because Pharisees belonged to a Jewish sect that 
was very, very prideful in, the, in their morals. And so this, this Pharisee was anti-Jesus because Jesus was going around kind of canceling the, the religious structure of the day. And so this Pharisee, he didn't invite Jesus over for, for tea and crumpets. No, he, 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 he invited Jesus over for a reason, but yet Jesus knows his reason, but Jesus still comes to his home. Jesus is willing to pay the debt for, for anyone. And you know what else? Jesus is willing to meet you where you are to pay your debt. You see, Jesus isn't all about sterile environments. Did you know that? Jesus isn't all about you trying to get good enough to come to him. Jesus is willing to meet you where you are. Jesus is willing to meet you in the filth. Jesus is willing to meet you in the sin. Jesus is willing to meet you in the addiction. Jesus is willing to meet you in the, in, in the mess. He is willing to meet you there so that he can pay for your debt. He is not scared of your sin. And you know what else? What's interesting to me? is that he doesn't just come to his home. No, Jesus sits down with him. You know, Jesus won't just meet you where you are. He'll sit down with you. He's not meeting where you are and condemning you for what you're doing. No, he is meeting you where you are, and he is sitting there, and he is asking you, can I pay that off for you? Will you come to me? Jesus is willing to meet you where you are. He was willing to go to this Pharisee's, this Pharisee's house, and I know that because... He willingly goes. Nobody's hogtied Jesus and put him in this Pharisee's house. But I also know that because Jesus knows what's on this Pharisee's mind. The Pharisee isn't inviting him over to watch football and eat chicken wings. This isn't a party. The Pharisee has ulterior motives for inviting Jesus over. The Pharisee is trying to question Jesus. He's trying to get him to a place, back him into a corner where Jesus says something that's against the Jewish law of the times. Because if he says something that's against the Jewish law of the times, he can have Jesus arrested and killed. But yet, Jesus, knowing this about this Pharisee, still steps into his home and sits down and has a meal with him. So here's how that meal would have probably gone in this culture they would have almost laid down at a table. Their head would have been towards the table, and so their feet would have been away from the table towards the door. And the way this, this setting would have worked, or a, a banquet setting like this, is they would have left the door open so that people that weren't invited to the banquet could, could come and could listen because Jesus was a, a Jewish teacher. He was a Jewish rabbi, and so some people may have wanted to come so that they could garner some wisdom from him. And so the, the door is left open, and then this immoral woman, she hears that Jesus is there, and she comes just so that maybe she can sit at the door and hear the conversation. Now, I know you know what immoral means, right? We're all adults. But for the Bible to call this lady immoral, she's not your average sinner. Let's just say that. She's not the lady who lied to her friend after she got a haircut and said it looked good when they butchered it. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all have done that this week. No, this, this lady is, she's, she's more than just, just your average sinner. In, in fact, tradition says that this lady's a prostitute. But Jesus welcomes her, welcomes her in. Her and her alabaster jar. The alabaster jar would have been made of alabaster or stone or glass or something. It would have had a long neck and it would have actually had to have been broken in order to get the perfume out. It would have also probably been worth about a year's worth of wages. And so here's this broken lady, this lady who society says has no right to be at that home that day. 
the one that says that society says has no right to even step foot in the home, but yet she is with Jesus, her in this expensive bottle of perfume. So there's a variety of people at this house that we know about. There's Jesus, the Savior of the world, the one who is ultimately going to pay the price for the sins of the Pharisee and the immoral lady. There's the immoral lady who's there who realizes her her brokenness. She's not, she's not trying to hide it. She realizes that she's sinful. And then there's the Pharisee who is so prideful in his accomplishments and his ability to earn the favor of God, who's so prideful that is going to completely miss what's going on. Sounds like a group of people that wouldn't work in today's cancel culture. But I want to focus on this lady just for a moment because she would have been an outcast of society. Now, you, you hear that and you're thinking, well, she's, she's a prostitute, pro- probably makes sense. No, she would have been an outcast of society because she's a she. Like, just the fact that she's a woman, she would have had no right to have been here this day. To make matters worse, she wasn't, wasn't just a woman, but she was known as a lady who was an immoral lady. So she is an outcast of society. She is one that's been pushed away, has been told you're not good enough, has been told you can't come any closer, has been told you've gone too far, God made you wrong, God, made, God punished you when he made you. She's an outcast of society. But she hears that Jesus is at this Pharisee, this guy named Simon's house, and so she grabs this bottle of perfume. Can, can you just imagine? Can you just imagine this, this broken lady who gets word that Jesus is at this house. She knows she's not supposed to go. But she breaks all society restrictions. She gets this bottle of perfume. She probably has to scrounge around. I just imagine she has to scrounge around to even find it because this has been her prized possession. She's, she's sweaty because she's ran the whole distance. She's weeping She's, 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 she's upset. She can barely get any words out. She barely makes it to the home. She, 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 she stumbles to Jesus' feet. She breaks this bottle of perfume, and she begins to pour it over him. Meanwhile, just weeping, tears streaming down her face onto Jesus' feet. And she takes her hair, and she begins to spread the perfume on Jesus' feet. Why? Because she knew she had a great debt. Because she knew, I I don't deserve anything, but I need help. And I've heard that this Jewish rabbi has been doing some pretty incredible things. So I'm going to risk it all. Forget all this societal mess. Forget this year's year's worth of wages bottle of perfume I have. I'm going to risk it all because I think he can do something about it because I am so broken. She knew her balance. And so she she says, I've, I've got to take a risk. I've I've got to do it. I've got to find something. I don't care. I'm going to go, and I'm going to find this Jewish rabbi, and if the door is open, I am going to go and bow down to him because I believe he can do something about it. You know, your brokenness is the only thing that can lead you to Jesus. Your brokenness is the only thing that can lead you to Jesus. I don't think it's coincidence that she had to break this bottle of perfume because that was a reflection of her condition, wasn't it? Your brokenness, when it comes to the things of Christ, your brokenness, whether it's your insecurities, whether it's your hurts, whether it's your pain, whether it's the thing that everybody else says isn't right about you, 
your brokenness isn't a bad thing when it comes to Jesus because your brokenness is the very thing that will push you to him if you will let it. Your brokenness doesn't block the grace of Jesus. No, your brokenness is a necessary ingredient in the grace of Jesus. For some of you today, I really believe this, you aren't living in the fullness of what Jesus has for you because you don't believe you're that bad. I think this can happen for those of us that have been following Jesus for a while. Because we know the right answers. We come to church once or twice a month. We don't do that thing. We don't drink that thing. We don't beat our wife. We don't cuss at our husband. And so we can almost begin to think, I'm not that bad. The problem with that is that you will never be fully grateful for the sacrifice of Jesus if you continually think you're not that bad. We are all bad, y'all. We all have our stuff, y'all. Jesus knows those thoughts that go through your head. You know the ones that you don't tell anybody? The ones that your spouse doesn't know about? The ones that you would never utter outside of your mouth? Jesus knows it all, and that can be a powerful thing if you will allow it to bring you closer to Jesus rather than you trying to hide it from him because you aren't that good at hiding. This Pharisee is just as broken as this promiscuous woman. The problem is, is that he doesn't think he's that bad. Someone needs me to say today that Jesus knows what you've done. He knows your heart. He knows your sin. And he calls it sin. You're not hiding it from him. You're not dressing it up good enough. But Jesus says that's a good thing. If you will act in humility, I can take what's broken and I can pay it off. We need to check our balance. So compare the, the lady to this Pharisee. Verse 39 says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet... He would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Man, isn't it easy to point your finger at other people's sin because they sin differently than you? Isn't it easy for us to condemn a group of people for the way that they sin just because we don't sin like them? I think the church has been terrible at this. The church has alienated entire groups of people who may be sinful, yes, but we have alienated them because we have called out their sin just because it looks worse on the outside than what our sin is. Have y'all seen this? There are preachers standing in pulpits and on platforms today who are calling out people for their sin. Meanwhile, they are having an affair on their wife, but they are hiding it really well. There are preachers standing on platforms and in pulpits today who are calling out addicts and making fun of addicts. Meanwhile, they are looking at porn seven nights a week. Can we just make an agreement right now that we deal with our own junk between us and Jesus? Because if we continue to, as, as the church to point fingers at people, 
and push people down just because they sin differently than us, we will alienate an entire world and more and more people will die without knowing the love and the grace of Jesus because nobody is too far gone no matter what your sin is. You can list them all and there is a list in scripture and I'm not denying that they are sins. This church will stand on the fact that there are sins in this world and we, we believe the Bible, but Jesus is always willing to forgive our sins. So let's quit pointing fingers. And, and maybe you have been hurt by the church. Maybe you have felt condemned because of, of your sin. And you felt like you were looked down on just because you did that thing. Whether you're watching online, whether you're watching this on YouTube a year from now, can I just apologize? Because we've done a terrible job with this. And we have not represented our Savior very well. Jesus is full of grace and truth. And just because we sin differently doesn't mean we have the right to, to point fingers. I got to find my spot again. So this Pharisee is the opposite of this woman in this passage. Here's a man that is so self-righteous, he refuses to see his own debt and doesn't even acknowledge the lady's brokenness. Can you, can you sense just the hard-heartedness when he says, how in the world is Jesus going to let her sit here? And so he thinks, who is this guy? Because a Jewish rabbi traditionally would not have let this lady touch him, much less a lady who is a prostitute. And so he thinks, who is this guy? And the Pharisee thinks that Jesus is about to run her off so that he can cater to him. And instead, Jesus receives what she has and what she gives him. And so since Jesus knows what's on this Pharisee's mind and what he's thinking, he addresses him with a story. It says in verse 41, it says, Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver, which is about two years of wages, to one and 50 pieces of, to the other. That's about two months worth of wages. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after this. So Jesus tries to get through to this Pharisee. He's like, okay, if he's not going to understand this based on my actions right now, maybe he'll base it on this, maybe he'll figure it out based on this story that I'm about to tell him. So he begins to tell him this, this story that it's the exact same situation that they are sitting in. Isn't Jesus brilliant? And then there's some sarcasm in here from Jesus. Do you sense that? Don't y'all love sarcastic Jesus? It's almost like if you're too dumb to realize what's going on here, I'll just tell you, I'll just make up this story, and you figure out which one, which one you are, you moron. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't sound like Jesus. That sounds like Jonathan, not like Jesus. But, I mean, it, it's obvious, right? The dead is sin. Jesus is the moneylender. The Pharisee is the one who seems to owe less, and the lady is the, the one who seems to owe more. The, the problem is, is that Simon the Pharisee is blind to he, the fact that he has any debt any debt at all. You know, God will always honor your humility and authenticity, but he will always humble your pride. Did you hear that? If you are messed up, like all of us in this room, you can go to Jesus and he will honor the fact that you are messed up. But if you walk in pride, especially religious pride, he will always humble the prideful. I know that because then Jesus goes from telling the story 
to just out, flat out telling Simon. Y'all listen to this. It says, then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, you dummy, look at, no, I'm just kidding. He didn't say that. He wouldn't have said that. That wasn't loving. I'm going to quit adding words in here. Somebody's going to think I'm a heretic. Look, he, he said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. Different culture, y'all. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, <laughs> and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who has forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. So at surface level, the more a woman has the bigger debt, right? But it's a case of looking the part versus having the heart. Do y'all know people that are really good at looking the part? For some of you, you, you're sitting beside them. They can live like one thing all week and then Sundays it's different. Our society's really good at this looking the part thing, isn't it? That is what social media is. It's looking apart. People are making millions of dollars off of social media because they look the part. Did you know that God is not impressed with you looking the part? He's impressed with the place of your heart. So the Pharisee, he looks the part. But the immoral woman, that's the one that he just forgave. You know why? Because she has the heart. And in a moment, not because of what she did, but because of her heart towards Jesus and her faith in him and her brokenness over what she did, she is forgiven and her debt is canceled. She checks her balance, and in a moment with her Savior, her balance is zero. So the question is, is where does the debt go? Because y'all understand economics to the point of if a debt is paid off, it doesn't just poop go away, right? Somebody has to, has to pay the debt. If the lady uh, that I read the story about just a moment ago, the organization had to pay her debt. It wasn't just like the student loan company said, hey, never mind. For debt has to be paid by somebody. Well, when it comes to the debt of sin that we owe, the debt still has to be paid. And the reason why I say all of that is because I want you to know no matter how you feel, that Jesus died with you on his mind because he knew that somebody had to pay the debt that you owed. He knew that the debt wasn't just going to go away, that salvation wasn't going to be free, but somebody had to step in and pay off the balance. And so with his perfect life, with him dying the death that you and I deserved, he makes the balance zero. And can you imagine what this immoral lady felt when she heard Jesus say in verse 50, your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Because the way I picture it is this lady, she, she's, she's still on the ground, right? And she's still at Jesus' feet. And by this point, I, I'm sure, ladies, you know how your mascara runs when you start crying and you weren't planning on it? And you try to do that thing? 
I can, I can, I can imagine that, that this lady, it's, it's not mas- mascara, but it, it's mud from the dirty road that she had to run down to get there. And so she's still at Jesus' feet and she's been watching this whole thing play out. She's seen Jesus acknowledge her, but she's also seen Jesus tell this story to the Pharisee. And so she's not quite sure what's gonna happen. Her hair is still, is still soaked with the perfume and the tears and there's snot coming out of everywhere. And she's bowing down to the feet of Jesus. And then can you imagine she makes eye contact with him? The one that she risked everything. Remember, she risked it all just to get in the door to hear Jesus. But then she looks up and she catches his eyes and she hears him say, your faith has saved you. you imagine having your debt paid off in an instant of humility and brokenness with the one who can pay it? He says, go in peace. And it wasn't, it wasn't about the perfume. It's not like she paid a year's worth of wages for Jesus to forgive her. It wasn't about the perfume. It wasn't even about the the kneeling. It wasn't about getting her hair wet and her hair dirty. No, it wasn't about any of that. It was about her brokenness, her humility, her repentance, and it mixed with the grace of Jesus. And that's what canceled her debt. It was her faith in the one that could pay it off. And he says, go Your sin plus Jesus makes your balance zero. No matter how much comes at the first part of the equation, your sin plus Jesus makes the balance zero. So today, I'm asking you to check your balance. Are you more like the Pharisee? Are you more like the immoral lady? Because I probably only say this once. I want to be an, an immoral lady. <laughs> Took y'all a second. Are you living your life for the one who has saved you? from a place of freedom and abandon because of what he was willing to pay? Are you taking up your cross, the Bible says? Are you putting yourself last and him first on a daily basis? Not out of guilt, not because you're trying to earn anything, but because you were that thankful that he was willing to cancel out your balance. Are you living your life in a way so that other people can have their balance canceled as well. Are you loving people? Y'all, there's a lot of mean people when I go out. Are you nice to the cashier? Do you build intentional relationships at work? Are you nice to the cars around you? Do you wave with all of your fingers? (laughs) 
because Jesus is worth it? Are you given it all because he has the ability to forgive in an instant? He has the ability to wipe the slate clean in an instant. Whatever your issues are, whatever your past is, whatever the lifestyle you live is, he has the ability to wipe it out in an instant, to take what was dead and gone, to take the mistakes of the past, to take the mistakes of the now. He has the ability to take it from death to life by his amazing, amazing grace.